Hey there, Recharged family. If you're a parent who's struggling or you know a parent who's struggling because their kids are struggling in some way, I want you to know holding on to learning LLC might be able to provide you with some answers to the questions that you have. So many times parents need more insight on how to help their child at home or at school. And to be honest with you, it seems nearly impossible to get all the knowledge that you need to be successful at meetings at school or when you meet with outside agencies or organizations that provide support and services for kids. This is where holding on to learning can help. It's a donation-based service for families who have kids that struggle. So whether it be trying to find out information about IEPs or 504s, or just interventions or accommodations that can be provided at schools, or who knows, maybe you just wanna find out information about a parent-teacher conference. Because yes, if you're not an educator, you might not know how a parent-teacher conference might work. There are no questions that are too silly. I wanna hear what your problems are and see if I can help you with some solutions. I use my years of experience as an educator and also years of experience as a parent who has kids that struggle. I would love to be able to help. So what you can do is contact me, Kyle Hill, by text at 302-492-5117. Leave your name and a brief description of how you'd like me to help you, and I'm happy to get back to you and we can schedule a time to meet on Zoom. No matter the challenge, I'd love to try to help you and your family. Again, if you can't pay, you don't pay. And if you can pay, it's only a donation. In the end, you've got nothing to lose. Thanks for listening. Now on to the show. And when kids feel success, confidence builds. And when you start to put layers of success together, confidence explodes. This is a Holding Out to Learning LLC production. Hit it! The ideas expressed on this show are not the views of their employer. Besides, if you really want to take advice from this guy, well, you should probably do it at your own risk. You better turn right back around because here comes the short bob dude from the Parents Recharge Show. What is going on, fellow parents? Thank you for dropping in to the Parents Recharge Show. In this episode... We're going to talk about what I think is the most important ingredient to success, building confidence. And it's not easy. As a matter of fact, it's really, really tough to build confidence in someone who doesn't have a lot, someone who doesn't feel like they are gifted in an area, someone who doesn't feel like they're very good at something. But I do want to share some things that I've learned along the way that I think might help you and your child in that endeavor. Before I jump into that, though, I want to note, you heard for the first time at the beginning of this podcast an advertisement for Holding On to Learning LLC. That is my side project where I just reach out and try to help families, families who have kids that struggle in some way. I'm going to dive into more about that specific service that I'm providing at the end of this show. So if you're interested, hang on to the end and I'll tell you a little bit more about it. But I do want you to know it is not a gimmick. It's a completely donation-only service, so if you or a family that you know needs help and you can't pay, you don't pay. Times are tough. Times are really tough. And the last thing I want to do is charge people for jumping on a Zoom call with me and charge them for the help that they deserve. The only time you pay is if you feel like you get something of value and you feel like you'd like to donate 
And it's really not just donating to me, it's donating to the cause of trying to help families who are struggling because they've got kids who are struggling. So again, if that sounds interesting to you or maybe of interest to to a family that you know, more information will come at the end. So back to our topic. Confidence is a very fickle and brittle thing. Some people say you either have it or you don't. And that is true with the exception that it can actually be built. You can build confidence. It's not quick, it's not easy, but it can happen. And what I know about working with kids with str- who have struggles, if you inject specific things into how you work with them, they're more likely to build confidence over time. And that's what we're gonna dive into. I will tell you this, confidence is so important in a variety of different things. You want an example? How about look at sports? So even if you're not a sports person, Hang in there with me, because I think this is going to make a lot of sense to you. Take baseball, for example. Confidence is so important in baseball that when batters step to the plate, over time, they either get on a hitting streak where they seem to be hitting the ball constantly, or they start to slump. And a hitter's slump is something that people have written books about, because it is very much a, a cognitive process, meaning that it's just a process that people go through psychologists will talk about batters stepping to the plate with the correct mindset. You want another example in sports? Football. Quarterbacks talk a lot about being confident and how that dramatically impacts their ability to do and see and analyze everything they need to on the field. In soccer, for example, it's so important they've actually created a separate term that has to deal with confidence. It's called form. So people who People who play soccer will constantly tell you about being in the right form. That means, yes, being physically fit, but it also means having enough confidence in yourself. So when a player comes off of injury, maybe they're not really confident in how they can move, or they're not confident in how fit they are. They're not confident in how well they see the game. That affects, as they call, their form, which means their confidence level. And what we know in sports and in life When someone's more confident, they are more than likely going to succeed if they have a higher level of confidence. Unfortunately, though, as this relates to your kids at school, school systems aren't really built up in a very meaningful way to always help build confidence over time with kids. It's been a systematic problem for a long, long time. I was fortunate enough to grow up in a household where my dad was an elementary school teacher. As a matter of fact, my grandfather was also an elementary school teacher. And I remember many conversations that the two of them would have. One thing I remember my father telling me, and he shared this multiple times, and he shared this with me again as I started to get ready to embark on my own endeavor as an elementary school teacher. He said, It's tough to build kids' confidence. You have a couple things playing against you, and this is totally true. Number one, grades. You think, well, it's what we've been doing forever. We have to grade. We need to grade. Yes, you need an approach in school systems to tell you whether kids are making progress or that they're regressing or they're not. what, What you're doing in classrooms is just not moving the needle or not. However, grades can have a detriment on kids' and how they actually internalize how they look at themselves. And again, the more confident they are, the better the chance they're going to have to be successful, right? That's the underlying theme here that we kind of go back to over and over again. So if a kid gets a C 
Some students will think, that's not a very good grade. I thought I was pretty good at this skill. And all of a sudden, I get a C. Apparently, I'm not very good at this. And it has a demoralizing effect. You want another example of something that crushes confidence in school systems? Pacing of curriculum. How fast schools, specifically classrooms, go through the things that they're teaching. I told you way back, I believe in the first episode, every brain is different. Every kid is their own individual. Every kid has their own individual unique brain. That means not everybody develops specific skills at the same exact rate, which makes it really challenging when you're trying to build confidence because some kids need a little bit more time. However, despite those challenges, and they are legitimate challenges, and schools have been doing a variety of things to try to help kids work through those challenges, but despite those challenges, there are some things that might be able to help your child. In this episode, I'm going to dive into a few details of things that I've learned along the way that I think will help your child either be at home or out in the world, but definitely at school. Because being able to build their confidence in any skill that they're using is going to be the key ingredient to them feeling successful. When they feel successful, they're going to have a greater chance to have success, whatever that looks like. If success for your kid is getting a C, then that's where we would like to get them. If having success for your kid is getting an A, that's where we would like to get them. If having success for your kid is just sitting in their seat through the class period, because maybe that's a challenge for them, then that's something we'd like to build towards, something that we can work on to get better. So I am going to provide you with some pretty practical ideas on how to build confidence with kids and some ideas on how you can share some information with the school systems so that hopefully you can get on the same page. I want to give you another example before I dive into our recharge portion and tell you all about a specific story of self-confidence. This example is really meaningful because it is extremely realistic. It's math. Math, for so many people, can be a confidence crusher. If I took an auditorium filled with people and said, raise your hand if you're not a math person, I would almost guarantee the amount of hands that go up would probably be more than the amount of hands that were down. So many people define their ability in math as not great. Even though some people might actually be pretty talented with math, they still don't think they're very good at it. It's because there's different levels. If you ask a first grader if they're good at math, if they're a student that understands how to add and subtract, they're probably going to say, yeah, I'm pretty good. However, if you take that first grader and you plunk them into third grade and they've never heard the word multiplication or division before, all of a sudden they would say, uh, no, I'm not good at math. You see, this is the process that kids go through throughout their schooling career. It's actually the process that adults go through too as they try to figure out how to do different phases of math depending on what it is they're working on. Yes, we're not taking first graders and plunking them into third grade, but I use that as an example to go back to this. Math has an ability to make people feel very good, but it really has a, an ability to make people feel inferior. As you, If you've been listening to the first few episodes, you already know I spent many, many years as an elementary school teacher working with gen ed kids, working with special education kids, and one of the things I learned was that the importance of confidence building cannot be understated. 
I was lucky enough to have a principal who I talked to and said, I got an idea. Let me float this past you (laughs) because it's not something that's typical. You see, at our elementary school at that time, we were all taking grades. And I was worried at that time I was teaching third grade. So I was worried that if I started grading right from the jump, I'm automatically going to start crushing these poor kids about their math and the ideas that they think they have about where they are on the math scale of their abilities. So instead, I got permission to not grade anything for weeks. And I just used the last portion of the first marking period to pull grades together. And I gave the kids permission. I I pretty much told them right from the jump, I don't want you to worry about grades for a little while. I just want you to worry about trying. Just try. If we're working on multiplication and you have no idea what that is, that is okay. It's completely fine. You know why? It's my job to share with you what that is and to teach you. And then I would go through the process of sharing a wide variety of stories of how people who became successful at things didn't start off with success. Very few people pick up something automatically without practicing it. And so kids just don't understand, and adults don't either in many cases, math takes practice. In order to get better at it, you've got to build that up over time. What we found in those weeks when I didn't take grades was I was really focusing on just cranking up their confidence level. And I did a wide variety of things in those weeks that build a foundation to break that idea that you're not good at math. It's called the math myth. It's so prominent that they actually have terminology for it called in the math world called the math myth. And it just means people believe they're not good at math. People believe they're not good at algebra. People believe they're not good at you know, basics in math. Maybe it's real world calculations, whatever it is. It's a built up thought process. And you know what it stems from? It stems, it stems from failure. I tried this. That did not work. That did not feel good. I do not think I'm good at that. Try again. I had failure. That did not feel good. I'm not good at that. Math is one example. However, confidence bleeds into all facets of life. Any particular skill, the more confident you are, the more successful you possibly can be. It doesn't necessarily mean if you're really confident, you'll always have success. It means you have a better chance to be successful. In today's recharged portion, I'm going to share with you a specific story that involved confidence and how a couple of young guys helped to build confidence in one kid and an amazing thing that happened because of it. It's time to get recharged, people. In this recharge portion, I'm going to share with you a story about a Little League team, specifically two young coaches from a Little League team and how they helped to develop confidence in a young kid and it ended up paying off huge dividends in the end. Let me take you back. Way back when I was a kid, I played Little League, and the first year I did, I think it was like maybe six or seven years old, and I was on a team with a bunch of, well, we'll call ourselves newbies. We, we weren't very good. We didn't have a lot of success. The second year, however, though, we had a lot of the same guys, and we had new coaches who were young and energetic, really 19, 20-year-old guys. 
They brought so much enthusiasm and spirit to our team, it dramatically impacted everybody. But this story isn't about me or a lot of the players on the team. It's more about one particular player. I will call him Dale. Dale did not grow up in a great situation. Dale lived in a family that was struggling with poverty. They didn't have a lot. And frankly, the fact that they could scrounge up enough money for him to play Little League may have been a, a minor miracle. When we started this second season of Little League, Dale was pretty much the same player he was the previous year. Never hit the ball, never got on base, really couldn't catch a ball in the field. All of those things really aren't surprising considering we're talking about seven and eight-year-olds. But in Dale's case specifically, he was really struggling in all facets of the game. He had not had much success at all the previous year. This second year, it was starting off exactly the way it did the previous year. However, the difference with this team really stemmed from the coaching. The coaching was ultra positive. I mean, they flooded praise and excitement and enthusiasm to the whole team. And we ended up doing awesome. We ended up doing so well that we went all the way to our final game where we ended up playing what would be our arch rival from the same town. They were part of our same organization. And the winner would be the undefeated team and essentially be the champions of the league. Going into that last game, Dale still didn't have a ton of success. He had some mild success. He got on base some. He got (laughs) walks here and there, uh, but rarely hit the ball. And I remember many practices, the coaches working with Dale, throwing the ball in, and Dale just swinging and missing. The message that was sent, though, was different. The message that was sent from them was, that was close, keep at it. And if he would actually make contact with a ball and foul it, meaning like the ball wouldn't be in play, but it would go backwards or go to the side or something, it was like he, (laughs) it was like Dale won a championship. The team got behind him to the point where even if he could foul a ball, we would all be happy. We'd all let him know how much, how impressed we were. It helped to build him. We got to the end of the season. He still didn't have a ton of success, but that last game, it finally came together. It was the last inning, and I. this is going to sound dramatic, and you're thinking, this is a Little League game. Really, is it that dramatic? This actually happened, though. It was a very surprising ending to an amazing season. It was the last game. We were in the last inning, and we had two outs on us, but the bases were loaded, and we were down by three runs. I got a great view of this because I was standing on third base. I had gotten on, on base, and I was standing on third base, And I remember, nobody said this, but I remember this feeling when we looked at who was coming to the plate next. It was Dale. And I remember looking at my friend who was also on second base and the two of us just kind of sharing a moment (laughs) where we looked at each other thinking, oh, we were so close. (laughs) Oh, well, it was a good run, right? Well, when Dale stepped up to the plate with his bat in hand and his helmet on, I remember these coaches from the sideline saying things like, you can do it, Dale. This is your time. This is what you've been working for. Get up there and just swing. And to be honest with you, most of the time, Dale wouldn't even swing, right? Like for him to get the bat off his shoulder sometimes was a a minor miracle. So we got to the plate. Ball came in, strike one. Ball came in, strike two. Again, the coaches, come on, Dale, you can do it. We believe in you. 
You can do it. Just make some contact. The ball came in. Dale swung the bat for a change, and he ended up hitting a ball so far, it went way past the outfielders, and we cleared the bases, which means not only did I come in, not only did the man on second come in, not only did the player on first base come in, Dale got a home run. He got a grand slam. We won the game on that hit, and the fans went crazy, and we went crazy, and for Little League, that was like the best moment any of us could have hoped for. And he, Dale, was the hero. Now, some people may say, well, it's just sheer luck. Kid got to a plate, he swung the bat really hard and it worked. But I have a different theory on this. My theory is, I don't really think Dale would have ever even swung the bat if it weren't for others believing in him. And others constantly flooding him with praise and belief messages Letting him know, hey, you did this right. You're almost there. You fouled the ball off. You're that close, Dale. Keep at it. Keep at it. You see, many times in education, it's, I tried this really hard, but I got a C. And now I feel like I'm not very good at it. In this particular case, it wasn't, I got to the plate and I struck out. Ugh, I'm not good at it. I'm just never going to be good. It was a different message from those coaches. The message was, Dale, you're doing great keep at it. It's going to come together. Just keep trying. And finding those small glimmers of hope, like him fouling off a ball in practice and praising that like crazy to make him believe that he's on the cusp of greatness. (laughs) Even if he wasn't, the mindset and building that mindset is an integral part of trying to get him the confidence he needs to have some kind of success. Dale did not go on to be a big league player I honestly don't know exactly what happened with Dale, but I can tell you this. That season was amazing. That particular story of the progression of Dale all the way to the last game where he was the hero solely came from the coaches and the atmosphere they built so that Dale constantly, even though he was not having a lot of success, constantly felt like he was. He was getting closer. He was getting closer. And in the end, he got close enough to be the hero. And be confident enough to step to the plate, get the bat off his shoulder, and take a big swing. Let's talk about some main takeaways of how you can go about building confidence and what you can do to share with teachers about what you think they can do to help your child build their confidence in the classroom. Really comes down to three main points for me. Can we build it? Can we trick them a little bit and can we reinforce it? So let me start from the top. Can we build it? In other words, yes, we have an end goal. And just as you heard in the story, the end goal for Dale was could he hit a baseball? He finally had success. That didn't start as immediate. It had to be built, right? You don't just jump from zero miles an hour to 60 miles an hour. You have to get there an amount of time, a certain amount of time. It's the same thing here. Whatever the desired end goal is, you have to build it, which means sometimes we got to break things into smaller pieces. I used to be a soccer coach at the high school. I did that for many, many years, and I loved it. I coached the boys in the fall, and I was lucky enough to coach the girls in the spring and because Delaware had split seasons. And one of the great 
pleasures I had about being a coach was that we had our team. And I couldn't go, once, we, once a team was chosen, I couldn't go grab more players. I had to work with those players. And I had to find ways to make each of those players the best versions of themselves. I couldn't just say, you're not getting this, you're just not going to be successful with it. You're forced as a coach, it's one of the great things about coaching, you're forced to try to find ways to be creative and get the best out of each individual player. Put them in positions that will get the best out of their specific skills. So what I did as a coach was I would try to break skills into pieces. Even at the high school level, when a lot of our players had a lot of things built in already, they still needed to learn things about the game. I couldn't just give it to them all in one big clump. I had to break it into parts. We're going to do a little bit today. I'll add a little bit tomorrow, and I'll review as I keep going along. And by the end, whatever the time frame is, then hopefully we'll have it. And then once we've got the skill, i got to make sure that I continually, continuously reinforce it and go back to it so that they can feel confident with it. So we try to build it over time. Just like I told you back at the beginning, when it came to math, I wanted a chunk of time at the beginning where I could just break down the skills at my own pace without having to worry about firing grades at kids. Those grades can have an ultra uh, negative effect if they feel like it's telling them they're not doing well. So build the skills, whatever it is, whether it's behavior or academic, building the confidence takes time to look at the skills and breaking them into parts. The next part is really what's happening from the person who's working with the kid. Trick them. It's the theater portion of it. It's what Dale's coaches did for him. Even though Dale would get to the plate at practice and swing and miss and swing and miss and swing and miss, if he made contact, they made him feel like he was going to conquer the world. You catch those little pieces and you make them believe that they are getting one step closer to greatness. And how do you get them there finally? It's this last piece. Reinforce it. It's the main ingredient. You praise them. Not praise them for getting to the end. You got the A in math. Congratulations. Yes, absolutely praise them then. But you know what? If I'm trying to learn how to add with multiple digits, there's a lot of pieces in that problem before I can get to the final answer. Maybe I need to build that skill by understanding what's the first step and then let them feel that success with the first step and then I hit them with praise because of it. All of that praise or reinforcement, and many times at the younger, younger ages in school systems, it may actually be re- specifically reinforcing with tangible things. You get a sticker, you get something, you get a Skittle, whatever. A lot of people will tell you kids should just be doing things because it's the right thing to do. Absolutely. But you know what? Reinforcing it in some way, whether it be actual tangible things or praise or just letting them know that is powerful stuff because 
most kids aren't intrinsically wired to think, I'm just going to do this because it's the right thing to do. That is actually a skill that's built over time too. Just like reading, behavior gets built over time as well. And so if you have a person, whether it be at home as a parent, or whether it be at school as a teacher or a para or someone who's working with a kid, if they are reinforcing and really drumming up the little pieces that that kid is doing right, it has a really big opportunity to get to success. And when kids feel success, confidence builds. And when you start to put layers of success together, confidence explodes. And at that point, people in general, it's not just kids, when you've got an explosion of confidence, you are more willing to step out of your mold and try things that you probably weren't willing to try before. Again, in Dale's case, it was just getting the bat off his shoulder and swinging the bat. Had all these pieces not been in play, I don't think he would have swung the bat that day, and I don't think we would have won that game. So the last piece of this takeaway portion I want to share with you is this. How does this relate to information you can provide to a school? Well, it's pretty simple. If working with your kid at home, whether it be working through behavior challenges, academic challenges, any challenges at all, if you start to realize there are certain things that you do to help them with whatever skill it is you're trying to build, relay that information to the school. That is valuable. That's ultra-valuable information for a teacher to have. That's ultra-valuable information for a school counselor to have. Anyone at school who's working with your kid, let them know. If you know that flooding your kid with praise is a key ingredient for them to be more successful, share that with them. I think that will be really helpful for the school systems to know. I want to take just a minute before I close up shop here and share with you what holding on to learning is. So this is my side project. So if you don't know, really, my life mission is to just help people. I don't know why I'm hotwired this way. I'm happiest when I'm helping others. And so whether it be helping kids at schools, helping uh, kids who struggle, helping staff members who, who are working with kids, helping administrators, or helping families outside of school, I just like to help. This gives me another avenue of helping families. One of the things that my wife and I feel strongly about is that there's not enough resources and support systems for families who struggle. From my end, I think about kids who are struggling, creating a lot of struggles for the whole family. I feel that way because I've seen it and lived it in our own family. Holding on to learning is my outlet to, pro- to try to provide some extra information or resources to families who might need it. I am well aware there are a lot of questions for people when they get called into schools for meetings or when they get have to go and reach out for services outside of schools. Just a lot of things you don't know about and why would you? Why would you know about the ins and outs of the IEP process, unless you worked in education? Why would you know about the ins and outs of a tiered intervention system unless you worked in education? I'm not sure school systems do a great job of giving all the information and breaking it into meaningful pieces to the families so that they understand the process of what's actually happening. 
And because of that, I want to give you an opportunity to connect with me. And that's what holding on to learning is. You jump on a Zoom with me, ask me whatever questions it is. It can, and I'm honestly, I'm not making a joke when I say it can be something as simple as, what do I expect when I get into a parent-teacher conference? What do I expect? What will happen if, and then whatever the situation is. It can be something like, can you explain to me um, what an IEP is? Can you explain to me uh, what a 504 is? Can you explain to me what teachers should be doing to help my kid? Really, it's just an open platform for you to ask me questions about anything that you would like to know. Because I don't think a lot of families have access to people who can provide them information. That's what holding on to learning is. It's not an extra money-making scheme that I've got. It's not uh, something that comes with a catch. It is literally a donation-only system. I meet with you, we talk, and I come back and provide you some resources and some information. If I don't have them right offhand, I will do some work and try to get them for you. And then if you're capable, you can donate an amount to the organization. If you're not capable, you don't donate anything. This is not about making money. This is about helping families because families need help. There are thousands of reasons why, but I honestly cannot say that I want to charge people a lot of money for a service, especially now. Times are tight. Families don't have enough money to go around as it is. This is something I just want to do to help. So if you can afford it and you want to donate something small, that is fine. But if you can't afford it, this is this should be for anyone. And I don't want the fact that maybe your family can't afford it to get in the way of getting you some help and some answers to questions that you might have. There are no bad questions. It could be something as simple as, Johnny's teacher is asking us this, or Johnny's teacher is telling us this. What can we tell her? Or it could be something as extensive as, can you explain what it means if my child gets identified with a disability? What happens next? What are the pros and the cons of that? There are no bad questions. I can't promise you I have every single answer, but I can promise you this. I will try. I will try to find you information. It's actually what I do with my job. I find information and resources for people at schools, for teachers, for paras, for administrators. That's what I do. It's what I love to do because I feel like it helps others. In reality, my, f- my sole focus is helping kids. And so this is my way of getting things to trickle down to the kids to get them the help that they need. So I'll run it back one more time in case you missed it at the beginning. The phone number you can reach me at, 302-492-5117. Feel free to text me. Tell me a little bit about what the, what the issue is that you would like to talk to me about. Give me your name, and I'll contact you, and we'll set up a time when we can meet up on a Zoom and see if I can help you out in some way. That's really all this is. It's not more complex than that. Just a way for me to help you. I'd love to help your family if there's any way that I can. Thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Hang in there, parent. I know it's not easy, but you know what? Things get easier if we can build confidence in our kids. Take some time, break down the skills, build it. Trick them a little bit. Try to make them realize they're getting closer to the goal. And then reinforce it. Flood them with praise when things are going well. And build them up over time. And Hopefully they hit success. And with continued success confidence. And when confidence comes, your kid may conquer the world. Who knows? Thanks again. Have a great one. Matter of fact, the only thing I do know is that most of the time I don't know. 
Dad, you're super cringy. Is your 9 or 10-year-old already starting to fill out their application for Harvard, Yale, or Oxford? Parenting is just flat-out messy sometimes. If you happen to like this stuff from the short bald dude, new episodes drop every other Thursday. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you think he's halfway decent, you can also rate and review. You can also send him some feedback too if you email him at rechurchcommunity at gmail.com. You can share ideas on future topics or just yell at him for his horrible sense of humor. We do it all the time. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. We'd like to give a shout out to Kevin McLeod for the use of his music. You can check out his information in the show notes below.